Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate, and today a spring cleaner, which is actually kind of a Labor Day cleaner, but I dropped my contact lens in my sink this morning and I just wanted to boil it. Like, I was like, this has got to go. So basically it's just cleaning day. It's time to clean. I like it. And I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot 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 writer, foster child advocate. And this week, I probably should be cleaning too, but instead I'm the writer of a new book. I'll talk about it and look, listen, learn. Uh, Suzanne doesn't even know that. I don't even know about no, this. Nobody knows this. All right. So this week we are really excited to be chatting with Natalia Tamburini. Natalia is from Buenos Aires, but has also lived in San Diego, Los Angeles, and now Madrid. After years of feeling the pressure to check boxes and do what was expected of her, she dove into working with a coach to explore what kind of life she wanted and learn to define what success meant to her. Through this experience, she learned the importance of identifying the beliefs and expectations that hold us back and creating boundaries and habits that support the type of life we want to live. As a life coach, she loves supporting clients as they reset and rebuild to design a life that's aligned with their core truth. She believes that there is no such thing as a normal life and that the templates of a successful life don't work for most people. Instead, she believes that we all have the power to create a life that we love. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much. I want all of that stitched on a pillow, Missy. Uh, all of it. it. I know. <laughs> I know. And yeah. now you're actually the first Alma La Vida coach that we have had on the show for listeners who listened to episode 48. We interviewed Nicole Wood, who's a founder, I think, slash co-founder of Alma La Vida, yes. which, oh my gosh, what an amazing resource. Such a wide variety of coaches available, depending on what your needs are, and just such a treasure trove of informative videos and courses and everything. So we'd just love to know how you came to Alma La Vida and then also, you know, take us back a little further about, you know, where you started in your career. Yeah. So I'll start further and then kind of tie back to how I came to Alma La Vida. My background is in psychology. So my first plan was to be a therapist. And then while I was going to school for social work and I was working with really severe mental illness all the time, I started to notice, okay, there was a good amount of resources for severe mental illness. There's not resources for just the regular people who are going through transitions in this way that is kind of shocking. And there was such a stigma around, well, I don't want to go work with a therapist, but I need some support. And mm -hmm. that's how I kind of came across the field of coaching and decided to transition into that. And when I finished my coaching program, I wanted to find a because the one thing I love about therapy is you have your team of therapists that you work with and learn from. And I didn't just want to be a coach on my own and not have that 
collaborative nature to the work that I did. So kind of through stalking this girl that graduated from my coaching program, I found that Ava Levita existed. She's now my friend, so I can say that I stalked her because she knows. Um, we don't but, judge. But yes, but in between all of that, that's like a really nice blend up version of my career. But in between that, I worked as a project manager at a design agency. I worked as a behavior therapist with kids with autism. I worked in marketing at a new children's museum. So I bounced around a lot trying to figure out what I wanted to do and how that was going to define me as a person. And I think now the work that I do as a coach is supporting people to enjoy their work and feel fulfilled by their work, but not feeling the pressure to be defined by it and putting so much pressure and finding that one perfect thing to do. Yeah, we really loved the... uh hummingbird talk by Liz Gilbert that you pointed us to. And I think that's a perfect lead in to discuss that a little bit. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves, like find that passion and figure out what we're meant to be. Suzanne and I partly started this podcast for that very reason. Mm -hmm. And we realized maybe we are hummingbirds. I mean, I, when we Mm -hmm. logged on and we chatted for a few minutes before this started, I told Suzanne, I think I'm a hummingbird and I've always been drawn to hummingbirds. So I don't know, maybe there's something there, but we'd love for you to elaborate on this a little bit more and how you use this to guide clients who may be like us or thinking we don't know what we're supposed to do. Yeah, I love that. And I love that the podcast is the and dot, dot, dot. That's like, can can have so many options there, which is so lovely. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Bliss Gilbert. And what I love about that talk is that she herself calls herself a jackhammer, which is kind of the opposite. And when she says about jackhammers is, well, really loud, right? And all you hear is the jackhammer. So as a hummingbird, you might be like, well, if I'm not like that, like that thing I hear all the time, then there must be something wrong. And I think what I love about the hummingbirds is that there's so much playfulness in it. And maybe, um, Missy, what you're thinking about that attraction to hummingbird does, you can't look at a hummingbird and not be like, oh, like super delighted that they're there. Mm-hmm. And I think it, what I like to help my clients with is shifting the mindset from my capacity to like and want to learn a lot of things at the same time or at different times is well to it's delightful and rich and diverse. And I can use this to the best of my abilities if I start to see it as a good thing rather than something that needs to be changed. Yes. I think we're learning more and more about that. The universe has been really hitting me in the head with this this week through our discussion about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was that last episode, Missy? I think so. Yes. Yes. Last episode. And then also this core values. And then I've also been listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast. They've been going through the Myers-Briggs, like mm-hmm. really in detail. And really just this idea that it's the awareness of how you are not trying to change what you are. Yes. And I think that so much emphasis before was like, oh, these things are weaknesses and like, oh, I don't want to be yeah. in ISFJ or whatever I want to be in whatever the other one is and trying to force your way instead of just realizing that oh no I'm a hummingbird I'm not a jackhammer it's okay so whenever you're starting to judge yourself for doing a particular behavior or making a certain decision be like no that's okay that's that's the way hummingbirds do it and I'm a hummingbird I was thinking about all of this last night 
and prep for this. And I dreamed about it. And I dreamed having a conversation with someone in my life and telling them that I had always resented them because they're a jackhammer and I wanted to be a jackhammer. And then I, I didn't use the word jackhammer in the dream, but, <laughs> but then saying to them, I think I realized that I was just resenting that I didn't know myself. That was my dream last night. Mm. Wow. wow. Yeah. Like you're already in my head, Natalia. <laughs> like, <you're> already... <laughs> I had a conversation with my dad like a few years ago that he said, oh, you know, you're so good at the things that you try. You just need to be more consistent. And I love my dad. We're super close. And I said, dad, I hear that, but I think my inconsistency is what makes me good because uh-huh. I learn and I absorb and then I go and I take that somewhere else. And I don't just like keep going at this thing when it's lost, it's magic for me. And I think that's what makes me good. And I think that was the first time that we were both like, whoa, okay, we see the world so differently and that's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because the world needs a little balance of both. We can't all be jackhammers. <laughs> no. Yeah. So how do you approach that then when you're working with a client? If they're coming to you with this feeling like a concern that they have these hummingbird tendencies, mm-hmm. like what what is the first step then? Just letting them see the beauty of that? Or do some of them want to start try to moving towards the jackhammer? Like, is there a balance between there? Yeah, I think there's a balance and I, there's two exercises or metaphors that I like to use with science because I think there is some good stuff that can come out of having rituals or routines and not just sort of going with whatever comes at whatever time. So I usually have them identify like, what are those things? If you could have all the hours in the world to do the things that you want to do, what would you be? And when mm-hmm. they lift that, then we break it down into... Okay, what can you do this year? Like, what can you focus on this year? And then what can you do on the weekend? Or what could you do for an hour every day? And kind of realizing that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Uh, I do everything and it's always all the time and they're always competing for attention or I just pick one thing. Mm -hmm. And there's some magic in the middle of being able to Mm -hmm. also give room for seasons, right? Like there might be days that, um, I feel like you were saying you're a writer. Maybe you have like this season of like all this creative energy flowing for you to write. And then other times that like that's just not coming up for you and writing is not a thing that's happening in that moment and somebody else takes up that space. So I think identifying that and like not judging all the things you might want to do or be and then identifying the time and the seasons that that might come up for you. Oh, we- I love seasons. I know. It's right to our heart. Like. <laughs> I've spent my life beating myself up because I'm not doing all the things all the time. You have to be a thing and then you have to just be that thing forever. And that's not how it works for me anyway. I know it works that way for some people. You know, you watch Mark and I've been watching this documentary on industrial light and magic, but all these really passionate designers and creators and how they've taken the world from stop motion animation to what we have now with this digital creation. And it's great documentary. And both of us looked at each other and we're like, neither of us feel that passion to just do one thing. And so we've been talking about it a lot, about how we don't have to be just the thing. And maybe those people, some of them went on to do something else. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're doing woodworking on the weekend or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that idea really, I think, transfers into, especially the ILM stuff, this Uh idea of design thinking 
and applying that to careers. This was so fascinating. And I just in researching you learned about this. I'd never even really learned about design thinking. So probably have to give me a little bit of 101 exactly like what that means from the actual intended meaning of it. But then also how you are looking at applying that to people, how they think about their careers. And, you know, uh, again, with us and a lot of people that listen to us, stay-at-home moms who are trying to pursue interests outside of this definition of mom, trying to do the mom and Mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. if we could you start us with a little design thinking 101, and then I'm sure we're going to have like a million questions that come out of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I learned about design thinking when I was a project manager. I was working for a design company and just got interested in in the process of like how designers think through creating products. And what I love about it is that it's a process that is nonlinear and it's iterative, right? So it doesn't really follow up step one, step two, step three, and then you're done and you never have to visit it again. It's really, you come up with an idea, you research, you have a few options, you test them out, you go back to your original question, And then you're constantly like circling back and improving or changing the product, right? Mm -hmm. So then when I started thinking about coaching and the work that I do, so many times people come to coaching and they're like, I have this one thing, one set six, my life will be great and I'll never have to think about it again. And that's usually not what happens. And then the thing that happens when you think once that thing is done I'll be good forever if there's so much pressure on that thing being perfect and you can't do anything until you figured it out. Oh my god! So gosh. design thinking yes. really brings in that ability to fail because it's, you're going to come back to it anyway. So it's okay if you fail and it's better if you fail early so you can come back and adjust and readjust and relearn as many times as you, you possibly can. Oh, that idea of failure is just... I don't know where it came from. I just arrived on planet Earth this way, I think, but terrified to fail. And if mm-hmm. I did something and failed, that really meant in my mind that I could never do it again. I could never try again. It was not for me. And so I just think I think there's a shift, cultural shift happening that we are okay with failure and we're learning about people's failures. And sometimes it, you know, there's a million quotes. I can't think of an exact one off the top of my head right now, but, uh, you know, I didn't succeed once I failed a zillion times going up to this one success that you saw. I think we could talk about failure for hours, actually. Yeah. I see a question in your eyes, Suzanne. I do. Well, no, because I think the, the other side of that is just perfectionism. And this, right. So, right. So I, it's just another way of saying it. And I'm sure we're not the only two who have been you get stuck Real when, stuck. Uh, what is that? The inertia? No. Yeah. Inertia. And, uh, yeah. Right. Or just stuck. We just get just so stuck, stuck <laughs> with this worry that, okay, I can't do something until I know I'm going to do it well. And then the idea that, well, in order to do it well, you need to practice, but you can't practice mm-hmm. if you're not going to allow yourself to fail. And it's, and then you just get stuck. So how do you fix us? <laughs> <laughs> right now, in the next five minutes. And yeah. So what do, what do you do when you have a client come in who is feeling stuck because of that perfectionism or that not willing to fail and be vulnerable? So I think one of the things that I really focus on, it 
my just in my coaching is really focusing on the language that we use when we talk about things. So even from the beginning, where I take notes and kind of the things we agree on that a client wants to work on in between sessions, you could call them homework items, you could call them action items. And I always either call them invitations or experiments. Mm. So there's this really open-ended place for one, my client not to do any of the things we agreed upon, right? Like it's not homework, they're not getting graded. It's not a checklist. It's an invitation for them to explore something or it's an experiment for them to try. And I always talk about why I call it an experiment is because you have a theory and it can either fail or it can be proven waste. And then from mm-hmm. there, you come up with another theory and it sort of builds on each other. And usually what I say is the quicker you test the theory out, the quicker you'll know whether it's right or whether you need to try something else out. Right. But the more you hold on to having the perfect answer, the more you're just going to wait and not know the answer. Mm. So I think a lot the, right off the bat is the language we use. And I'm really clear and intentional with telling my clients why I use certain language in the things that I give them to hope to kind of shift their mindset and the ways they approach the works that we do together. (laughs) I know all the gears. It sounds, yeah, it's really the opposite of how we go with things a lot. And when we were prepping for this episode, we feel like You can't figure out the answer until you figure out the questions. You have these invitations and you go figure out what it is you're trying to do. How do you even go about figuring out what the invitations are? When a client is like, I don't have any idea. I just want the answers, but I don't even know what the questions are. Yeah. That's when we get like super experimental. So like, so there's, I think there's two ways because I guess two types of clients. One, they have a what you're talking about, like, I don't even know. And I have them really start with like the most general thing of what are the areas in your life and how do you feel about them right now, right? Like your relationship, your work, mm-hmm. your hobbies, your fun, your financial health, all these aspects, and they rate them. And you, they surprise themselves sometimes of like, I don't know why I gave that a four. Like I said, I was fine here. And then that's where we can dig in. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Let's think about what that four out of 10 means and how it would get to a six, right? Like we're not trying to go from four to 10, but like, how would you even nudge it up a little bit? So really Mm -hmm. pulling at threads that come up through our conversation really slowly, and then maybe finding one thing and narrowing down on it so they can have some sort of small win. And then things start to click usually, right? Like once they've learned that process of Okay, I get really general. I ask all these questions and then I narrow in on something and pull at those threads. Then that mm-hmm. becomes like something we keep doing in our session. Right. And then on the opposite side, you have people that are like, I just need this one job. And once I get this job, I'll be fine. Everything will be good. <laughs> and part of my job is to support them through that. And I just had a client that I had this amazing time with that she was applying for all these jobs and honestly she kept getting rejected and she was so frustrated and so upset and then a few sessions later she's like you know what I don't even want these jobs I don't want a job in this industry at all and what I actually want is this and it took her failing at the thing Mm -hmm. that she thought she wanted to realize that it wasn't what she wanted so I think part of my job as a coach too is like 
letting my clients be kind of angry with me that I'm like, why am I not getting this job? And then they figure out, oh, I don't even want this job. (laughs) And then we can really start doing all the the good stuff. Yeah. It's amazing to me that it's semi-universal. We often don't have a clue what we want or even where to begin to figure that out. How, why is that? I don't know. That's maybe too broad a question, but why (laughs) don't we have any idea what we want? Well, I think the real issue is that we've been sold the idea that we should know what we want in order to do anything, right? And if we say, I don't know what I want, but I get inkling during the day, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you're hungry, you're like, well, I think I'm hungry and maybe I want this. And if we were just curious with those inklings instead of feeling the pressure of I have to have an answer and that answer has to make sense to everyone on top of making sense to me. Mm-hmm. then maybe we would approach that a little bit different. And maybe that I don't know what I want wouldn't be a bad thing. It would just be a, that's, that's pretty much how we work. And then we listen to our, our inklings yeah. and follow them. Yeah, I love this idea of just exploring and following some of those inklings. Missy and I are in a place of, I guess, privilege right now in that we have the finances and then also the the age of our children allows us yes. a little bit more flexibility to do that. And some of our listeners are in a place where, you know, they, maybe they've got young kids, they're at home, they're dealing with nap times and stuff. Do you have any suggestions for how to nurture those little zaps of inspiration, but maybe you have to do it between nap times, or maybe it has to be, you know, free. Like how, how do we explore those? Yeah. I think it's really about lowering the expectations of what that practice can look like. So I think so many times we think, oh, well, I want to write. So I need two hours a day to write my novel, or I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, what if you wrote for five minutes? in that time, 15 minutes. And then you set that timer and every single day you had five minutes, right? Versus never having two hours. Mm. And I'm not a master at math, but I think in eight <laughs> days, in eight days, if you wrote for 15 minutes, you would have those two hours. Versus right. thinking, well, I'll never have those two hours. So I'm just not going to do it. So really finding tiny pockets and letting them build on each other. And Scrapping the expectation of, well, if I love something, I'll spend most of my time doing it. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll write five minutes a day and it'll take you two years to write the book, but at least you wrote the book, right? Mm-hmm. So right. I think finding that. And then for the other aspects of it being free is one, trusting that you already have what you need. So I think a lot of my clients come and they say, I need more schooling or I need a certificate or I need this. Yes. And sometimes these do, right? Like, I am not saying that you don't, but most of the time to try it out, you don't need to pay for anything. You could probably find it on YouTube. You probably just do it on your own without any lesson, just kind of do it and learn from there. So I think it's really like lowering the expectation of what we think we need it to be to what we can handle and what we have the capacity for. That's so funny. Yeah. My daughter is looking at art schools right now and, you know, looking at colleges and art programs. And I was looking at some of my favorite artists that I follow online to see like where they went to school. Like, oh, obviously if they went there, that would be the best. And so many of them are self-taught 
or mm-hmm. you know, I don't even want to say so. I mean, you know, they put in the work. They've right. I'm sure that they watched YouTube or they followed some of their favorite artists and just kind of made mistakes and learned from there. And it's just so funny to think that, yeah, a lot of us think you have to spend a gazillion dollars to be taught something where sometimes, yeah, you do have it in you. And if you just put the time behind it, what is it? The 10,000 hours rule? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yes. Right. And I think that all or nothing is really, I'm speaking only for myself here, but that is a huge issue for me with everything. Like, I'm not going to clean my house if I can't clean the whole dang thing today. And I'm not going to organize those photos if I can't do just that project. And Mm -hmm. as a parent who is also working and doing a million different volunteer things and has all these things going on, there's never a time where I can just work on a project or just write or just, that doesn't happen. And so I get really mixed up in my head and think, well, then I'm just not doing that right now. That's just not happening. Mm -hmm. And so I really would like to learn to adopt that, do what you can in the time that you have and let go of my all or nothingness. Yes. Yeah, I think that like tying it back to the hummingbird metaphor, a hummingbird still likes so many different flowers in a day to get the nutrients that they need, right? And they're oh, not God. just sitting at a flower for 24 hours, sucking it dry. It's not possible <laughs> because, again, what happens is things lose their luster, right? Like if you're really beating yourself over the head to get this one thing done, you usually get tired. But maybe if you were to clean for 15 minutes, go play with your kid feed them lunch, do the things they have to do, put them down for a nap, then that cleaning project doesn't feel so big anymore and you go back to it. So I think allowing ourselves to rest in that change of priorities instead of like buckling down and doing it all at once. And for some people that may work, but if if it's not working for you, maybe trying this other way out and seeing how that that works. Yeah. And oh, after learning more about the the hummingbird, I don't know if she made a metaphor about bumblebees or if hummingbirds also do cross pollination. But this idea of cross pollination Mm -hmm. came up, too, where, you know, if you're going from flower to flower or from job to job or interest to interest, there's a lot of opportunities for you to share your knowledge in one area with people from the next place that you go to. And it was Mm -hmm. so interesting because gosh, was it yesterday? I think it may have literally been the same day when I was thinking about it. A gentleman that I do work in the LGBTQ space, uh, we're both on the board of GLSEN together, reached out to me because he's going to become a foster parent. He and his husband are becoming foster parents and it's to a a trans kiddo. And he was really concerned because he's like, oh, I need to get period products and I don't know anything about period products like and so he's like who what mom do I know that has a daughter so he reached out to me (laughs) just to ask just to ask about that like I don't even know what to choose you know what do you get this aisle's a mystery to me (laughs) and so but not knowing that I also serve on the board that works with serving foster kids so I was like oh I can do better than that Let's go meet over at Caring Hope. We can make a custom hope pack, which these hope packs are made for foster kids who are entering foster care with just the necessity items that foster parents and the kiddos need as they're entering a new home. So we went and and it was great because he got all the stuff that he needed to make it a really nice transition. But it's also informing us at Caring Hope, like how do we better serve trans kids in the foster system, making sure that they are getting the necessities because it's there's different 
nuances to the things that they would need in their packs. So again, just kind of this cross-pollination across these yeah. two different worlds that you would never necessarily think go together, but there's a beauty there of just, you know, not, not being just one thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. Yeah. I love that. And just like the richness in that, right? Like in the, in what you offered to that, that new parent that thought was coming to you for one specific thing. And then what you offered to the, the foster organization that was supporting that. And like, there's so much richness in putting those things together that I think if you were just a specialist, like head down in one thing, just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I'm a full believer of this, this philosophy and metaphor now. I think it's just a, I don't see it as a character flaw anymore that, <laughs> that I have oh. this diverse, crazy amount of interest. Because I think that, yeah, yes. there are things that can pull together. Yeah. Because I have really felt like it was a character flaw for my entire mm -hmm. life. Yes. I think we're having a lot of aha moments this particular week. I think we're coming up with a lot of things and just realizing that like, no, there is a beauty to different flittiness. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And you're not flighty. You're not flighty. You're cross-pollinating. I'm cross-pollinating. I'm getting stuff done that you can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I love it. I, love it. Oh, um, I want to talk about vision boarding for a minute, though, because I know oh, that is one of your oh, yes. areas of expertise. And it's something that honestly, we don't know anything about. We've talked about it a few times and we've talked about getting some help with it, but we don't even know where to start. Um, we did sign up for your free vision Yay. board, your way to success. That's an Eventbrite series. It starts on September 19th. Yeah. Um, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, we will. But we can you talk a little bit about the power of vision boarding? And I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, that seems like woo-woo. Yeah. But let's yeah. talk about it a little bit and why it matters, why Is it works. Is your friend me? <laughs> <laughs> I have this friend. <laughs> no, I have, I am fascinated by the idea of vision boarding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it for two big reasons. One, I just love any excuse to like buy markers and cut off pictures from magazines and like paste them and do some collage art. Like type getting in touch with your announced kid is half of the, the vision boarding. <laughs> like that's half of the thing you want to achieve is just really get in touch with your inner child. Oh, um, awesome. And then what I love about it so much, and I'll share more about like the science behind it for my non believers, <laughs> but <laughs> I do think it's really a act of intentional dreaming, right? Even just the process of finding the images that speak to you. Tap is a thing that's not really language. So a lot of the times, like when we're talking about defining something or finding that label or that title that makes us who we are versus just looking for pictures that inspire us or bring us joy that isn't a label and isn't a word that we have to define ourselves by, I think touches in a, at a really important, like, part of our brain, which is why I love vision boarding, because it takes away the, can I want you to make a five-year plan and list out every single thing you achieve to, I want you to find pictures that inspire you and that you want more of those things in your life. Hmm. And then what that actually looks like, the shape it takes at the end of it may look totally different, right? Um, like, for example, I had a vision board two years ago that had bougainvillea that like bright pink flower all over the place and it 
I don't have a Bougainvillea plant, unfortunately, that is still in the vision board. But for me, it meant living in the Mediterranean. It meant being mm. in Spain and being surrounded by this lifestyle. Because every time I saw that plant in San Diego, that's what I thought of. So mm. I think it gives you this ability to be creative and the essence of the things that you want. So then the action steps can be less prescriptive and be a little bit more inspired by the feeling that that thing gives you. And, and that's why I love working with vision boards so much. Oh, I love okay. it. Okay. That are my heads. Okay. So we've got a couple of weeks before this starts. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah. what are things that we, our listeners can do to prepare for it? Sounds like maybe get some magazines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think getting magazines and you can get them for free, like libraries have them all the time and they have them for like a dollar or for free. I think looking at Pinterest boards, like the modern magazine or even photos that you see around, like, is there a flower that you love that you walk by every day when you walk your dog or or go around the neighborhood? Is there a color that you notice? Oh, that's all over my house. And I love that color. Like, Mm -hmm. what are the things that even just taking notice of what brings you joy in the next Mm -hmm. week and a half, two weeks and write those things down. So then when you're looking for images or, or things or ideas to kind of set your goals and in some of the exercises we're going to do, you have this list of what are the things that have brought me joy in the last couple of weeks and how do I bring more of that into, Mm -hmm. into this vision for, for my life. Well, you brought up Pinterest and I'm wondering, is, mm-hmm. is there something scientifically more beneficial of doing this, like with your hands, like literally like cutting out pictures or if someone's more tech-ish, is there, mm-hmm. is there the same benefit of just, you know, cutting in pictures and putting them online into like a Canva board or whatever? Yeah, you, you can do both. And I offer options to kind of do both. I personally love any opportunities that I like for anyone I work with to get outside of the screen and do things with our mm-hmm, hands, mm-hmm. because I think for our brains, that's better for a myriad of reasons, not related to vision boarding, just as good to get tactile, to touch, to taste and all of that stuff. Yeah. But if that's not accessible to you, it doesn't make it all oh, your vision board's not going to it's not going to work if you do it on Canva. So <laughs> the magic I, doesn't exist now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's there. And, and that's not really the point, but I think it, the activity just becomes more enjoyable when you get to actually cut out pictures and, and pull them on. Oh, Missy, we should yeah, do this I together. Like, I know. And so excuse to like drag out all the craft supplies. My <laughs> yeah. biggest hobby may be buying craft supplies and never doing anything with them. <laughs> and I just have so much fun stuff that we could we could spread it out on the table, Suzanne, and just. Oh, my gosh. It's a yeah. whole week, an yeah. hour a day for a week. Yeah. So the challenge will be on Instagram Live, and I will hop on there every day to kind of give a mini exercise to do that day. The culmination of it is not just having the vision board, but having some action steps towards that and, and kind of helping you through creating those. So it's like not just, oh, I have this vision board now. What is everything going to come to fruition by magic? <laughs> so it's really, that's where I think you get at them. It's not woo-woo. It's not, I put this on a board and it all comes true. Is I now engage with it. And how do I engage with it? And how do I bring this vision to life after that? 
So each day kind of touches on something. So the vision board is really impactful, but then the action items are really meaningful too. And that, mm-hmm. that's kind of what we'll get into during the week. I love it. I'm really excited. I, I can't know. wait to do yeah, it. Me too. Oh, okay. We're totally doing it. Well, okay. So we know that people can find you at the Ama La Vida website and we will link to it there. But is there any other place in addition to this session that you're going to be doing that people can reach out to you or get to know you? Um, really most of the, the content that I create as a coach. So anything related to the stuff that we talked about today will be on the Amalabita Instagram, on their blog, um, on their YouTube. So you can just kind of look my name up on anywhere there and I'll come up. Um, so that's really the best place. And then I always, if anyone wants to add me on LinkedIn and connect that way, if they're more on the professional career route, they can look me up there as well. All right. All right. Perfect. Let's see. I think we're about ready for our look, listen, learn, which if anybody is listening for the first time, hello, we're so glad you're here. (laughs) And the look, listen, learns is a time when we just each share a little something that we've been watching or reading and listening or learning about so that maybe you can add those to your to-do lists or to get to-do lists. Um, And we don't- more fun. (laughs) <laughs> we don't like to put our guests in the hot seat. So let's see, Missy, you want to kick things off? Um, sure, sure. I have a few this week. I just finished reading Beach Read by Emily Henry. Oh, um, I've been doing a lot of like thriller and kind of dark twisty stuff. So I needed something the completely opposite of that, um, which this is. I mean, it's pretty light and fluffy and but it's about writing, which was great because I have been in a writing Phase, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was fun and easy. I highly recommend it. And apparently, apparently she has other books. <laughs> this is the first I've read, but people are highly recommending all of her other books when they saw me reading this one. So it is such um, a great title. Oh my God. Yeah. Great title. And on the cover, I looked at uh, some of her other co- covers. All of her covers are really fun. So I recommend that. And then in my dark and twisty listening, I listened to Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell. What Highly else does Lisa Jewell write? Uh, so many. She has so yeah. many. Okay. And I think I did another one of her books as a look, listen, learn a while back and was joking that I had discovered her. Like it was my <laughs> first time to read a Lisa Jewell. And then I looked up her catalog and it's just, she's written like 20 books. Yeah. I feel like um, I've read a few. Yeah. They're excellent. I'm actually listening to another one right now. So that'll probably be a future look, listen, learn <laughs> that if you're looking for something on the thriller side of things. I highly recommend Lisa Jewell. She writes a good thriller with some pretty extensively drawn characters. And um, that's what I really like about it is mm-hmm. you get to know some people in there. But, and then I promised I would talk about my learn. My learn is that I finally accepted what I had been told a million times is that sometimes you will write a book and it never sees the light of day. And I was determined to be not that person. I thought I'm going to make this book work. And I have spent so many years, not all of it physically writing, obviously, but <laughs> I've spent a lot of time on this book, reworking it, redrafting it, trying to make it, it, it doesn't work. It was really a learning exercise. And I did learn so much and never say never. I'm not saying I won't ever figure out how to turn it into a readable piece of material. <laughs> it is not that now, but I finally gave myself this gift of letting it go, like let it sit I had a new idea that I had been saying, I have to, fi- I have to finish this before I can start that new idea. Mm. 
And I just let, I let it go. And so I'm in the middle of drafting and or not even in the middle. I'm in the early stages of outlining and drafting this other story that has been in my mind for a while. And I kept being like, go away. Like this other story, just hang out. Your turn is coming. And I just decided to give it its turn. And I feel more excited than I felt in a long time. And I have some energy around writing that I haven't because trying to do that other one was just, it was starting to kill me. Oh, and it I'm just, so excited. I, I don't feel sad this. about it anymore. You know, I felt sad admitting that it was a crappy book. And now I'm like, no, that's no. fine. I learned a lot. And maybe it's that character will practice. come to life. Yeah, yes. it was a lot of practice. I learned a lot about things I should not do and ways to do. I'm doing this one differently, just the process a little bit differently. So now you've probably already done this, but just in case the hashtag am writing podcast, literally the last 10 episodes have been KJ and Jenny Nash doing a step-by-step -step of outlining a book. I mean, oh, it's good because I'm so behind weeks. on am writing. I'm way, way back before the last 10 episodes. Yeah. So they just wrapped up. They just had number 10. Okay. So that would probably be a good binge because it uh -huh. is just like baby steps, both for fiction and nonfiction, uh, baby stepping through the, the inside outline, you know, Jenny's whole thing with the, yes. the scaffolding yes. for your book. So that might be. Ooh, I'm going to do that today while I, I'm going to put my headphones on while I do my trip. We just got back from a short trip, but while I do my trip laundry and unpack and reorganize <laughs> and everything, I'm just going to binge that. Yay. All right. So that's me. How about you, Natalia? Um, I, so I've been reading a book. It's not, nothing like features that maybe it's total opposite, but it's called Lost Connections. And a client of mine actually recommended it to me. It's a nonfiction exploration of uh, kind of like radical causes behind depression. And a lot of them are social oh. or what they talk about is these nine connections that we've lost to something. So socially, mm. how this is causing depression or kind of exploring Ooh, that question. Yeah. And it's been really enlightening, especially as a coach, because so many of these things are things I hear all the time that my clients are wanting or they don't have like meaningful and fulfilling work or as right. a community that feels safe and, and like they're a part of it. So I think it's been really great to read about that. And, and the, the guy who writes it, Johan Harry, just has a great voice. So really fun mm -hmm. to read. And then, so that's my look. Uh, listen, I've been listening to a podcast called This Morning Walk. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. Um, Alex L, who's a writer, and Libby Delana, which I wasn't familiar with her. So I'm not sure what she does, but they have a they go on a walk every single day that place their their routine and they do mm -hmm. a podcast that they just talk for like 10 15 minutes about something that came up during their walk and I use it to go on my walk it's like okay I'm gonna go on a walk and listen to the podcast while I walk and they are just so like the production of it they always have birds that like singing in the background oh. and it's so peaceful and beautiful so if you ever just need even if you're like i'm exhausted and i just need to hear soothing voices this podcast is fantastic oh i'm, I'm gonna trouble. use it for my walk yes. i love it okay. yeah. i need new walk stuff well now i have I a book too. but for a while i didn't have a book and i automatically default to my news podcasts 
which I think. So then you're walking like this? Yes. And so instead (laughs) of being like this relaxing, cleansing event, I come back Mm -hmm. just like pissed and like sure that the world's going to end. So yes, that's such a better way. So in between books, I think that sounds like a really good option for my listening. Yeah. yeah and they're they're nice and short and they just always have a scene. So you can kind of just look through the titles and be like, oh, I'm feeling that one today and, and just look into it. Ooh, oh, okay. I love it. Yay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I did think of one for all of them. Nice. <laughs> but I don't know if this, I don't know if this counts for learn, but I am taking a class next i'm starting next or this wednesday now and and it's a pottery storing class which is totally out of my comfort zone both having to operate like my hands and my feet at the same time is something i'm not very good at so we'll see (laughs) how it goes but it's just totally different i feel like i do a lot of classes for for work and for things i'm interested on the computer and this is like going somewhere and working with my hands for two hours so i'm super excited to see what happens we'll have like a lot of uneven pottery in my house now <laughs> just from my classes it'll be great i love it i hope you post it somewhere and then yes. we'll share it in yes. our group and see yes, it i will i need that, to I find that so that inspiring again i did a class back when i was doing the artist way book for the first yes. time God, that was 20 years ago. And yeah, I took a pottery class and it was, I started out with just the little pinch pots, but by the end of it, I was doing the full, like with the feet and the, you know, not the best bowls you've ever seen, but the, <laughs> but it was fun. And it is, it's a whole different skill set that I think a lot of so us are So good for to. your brain. Yeah. I need to do that again. That was really fun just to get yeah. all messy. I can't wait to right. see your see your outcome. Yeah, from that. I'll I'll share it. I can't. I'm excited, and I'm excited to get messy too. Like they were always telling us, like, oh, just wear something you don't care getting dirty. And I was like, I can't wait to just like, yes. have splatters of cigarette, like all of it everywhere. It'll be so yes. fun. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's very inspiring. Okay. Yeah, I'm adding that to my list too. Because we are going to do, we're going to do our moms who dare things, Missy. We got to get together with that. I think mm-hmm. we're going to do some hatchet throwing. We're going to do some crafty stuff. We're gonna, yeah. <laughs> we will start doing yeah, that. We're going to wake up some new parts of our brains or old parts that haven't worked in a while. <laughs> oh, so that's... what about you, Suzanne? What do you look listening, learning? Okay. So I listened to the writer's panel episode 521. I was like, 521. Holy crap. They've been doing this a while, um, but the they had a Better Call Saul wrap up. I'm not sure mm. how many other people out there watch Better Call Saul, but we, we've we been binging it for like the past year and just happened to finish at the same time that the actual series finished. So we yeah. watched the finale in real time, but the writing is just so incredible. So it was really interesting the person who does this podcast since they've been around for 500 plus episodes they have at the uh, end of each season they've had interviews with the writers room and so it was kind of interesting piecing together little clips of that from over the years but then doing a grand finale recap with the writers and just the thought that went into the characters and which direction they were going to take them and everything Mm -hmm. was so so interesting but one of the best parts of it is that it's led to my look is that they had everybody on the panel say what their favorite show they're watching is. And I was like, okay, if these are the people who wrote Better Call Saul, like 
probably have some then good I, we're gonna have the same taste we're gonna have the same taste in some shows so oh my god there's there's a bunch of them and i gotta save one of them because we're doing another recording this week <laughs> i gotta <laughs> i gotta save was something um but yeah the other show that i'm just in love with right now we've only watched one episode is called the other two have you ever even heard of this i actually started episode one and i like I started it, I didn't have time to finish the whole thing. And I just realized when I looked, saw your look, listen, learns that I never went back to it. Oh, so I my need to gosh. go back and try. And there's like two seasons. So, I mean, I did yeah. not discover this. So it's new to me. Maybe it's new to some of you. But oh, my God, it is so funny. The mom is Molly Shannon. And it's the story of this family. And there's two millennial siblings who are basically not failures. They're struggling. Mm -hmm. They are struggling. And they are hummingbirds. Yeah, they are. They're more than hummingbirds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're they're hummingbirds, maybe. Yeah, they drank some of the wrong juice (laughs) or Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. But they are dealing with their 13-year-old brother, whose name is Chase Dreams. Oh, my God. He had this overnight viral fame doing a Justin Bieber style video of this song called Marry You at Recess. Oh my God. <laughs> it is, I mean, and you know, one of the millennial brothers is like this struggling actor in New York, you know, can't get an agent, just auditioning for just the worst roles. And, you know, all of a sudden his little brother, just cause he's had this viral sensation, has this amazing agent. He's like getting all these deals to be in like films and oh, stuff. And so God. it's just, and, but the little brother is not like obnoxious. He's just the sweetest. And you can tell that they just love, like the final scene was them like doing a sleepover thing. And they were just like, Aww. they want to like care and like love on their little brother, make sure he's protected. But also we're like, seriously, like, <laughs> like, how, how is my life okay, so bad? I had to go back to that and finish that episode and watch. Oh my God. It's so funny. And then let's see my learning. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to switch up my learning because I've been dealing with vertigo for God, the past two weeks now, I yeah. think. And it's mostly yeah. when I lay down and I've had this before. The first time it ever happened was, uh, God, it was the mother's day after my son was born. So this was like going on 13 years now where we came out of a restaurant where we were eating like our mother's day dinner or whatever. And I could only walk to the right. Like <laughs> it was so bizarre. And I mean, I seriously was like, the first thing I thought is, oh, stroke, like or something, stroke. something that affects like one side or whatever Mm -hmm. and it ended up it was this vertigo and i get it i the last time i got it two weeks ago it was because i was shaving my legs in the shower and i need to get one of those stupid things that raises your foot because when i go down too far again even though this has happened to me for the past 13 years i still thought it was woo woo because someone told me oh it's because of the crystals in your ears i'm like well certainly it's not because of crystals in my ears there's no crystals inside of me and And they've been telling me for the past 13 years to learn this Epley maneuver, which is, it used to look 13 years ago when they showed me, it looked much more severe. Like you would have to hang your head over the side of a table and someone would like flip it real fast. And I was like, no, thank you. Sounds awful. But it turns out they have like made some new adaptations (laughs) to the maneuver. to now it's like this little self thing that you can do with just like a pillow on your bed. And it takes like two and a half minutes. And see, here's the problem. I'm either like super dizzy. And when I lay down, it's like the end of the world. And you don't Mm want to do it then. Because the last thing you want to do is like have your head flipped around when you're in that situation. 
or when I'm feeling good enough now that I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll give it a try. I'm like, well, what if I just rock the crystals worse? Like it's so, but I think I'm going to try it. Probably just I'm, have to try it. Yeah. I think I'm going to still try it, but it's very much, and I watched a video and it makes sense. Like it showed the little ear canals and when, I don't know how these crystals get out of your brain or wherever they live, but if they are in your ear canal or this part that has this fluid, they basically trick that fluid into think that you're moving just because the crystals jiggling around in there. Oh. I'll have to link to a video for anybody who's had this. You'll know who you are. But for mine, it is really like if one side of my head, I'm fine, I'm laying down. But then if I roll over, all of a sudden it's like drunk spins. Like it's the craziest thing, like someone spinning you around. So it reminds me of those. Have you seen the crazy glasses? Yes, that that's what the, the picture looks like. Apparently, it's that's the kind same of what's idea. Your ear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yes, maybe I should walk around with those. I actually have a pair. <laughs> I think you should just, or next time you shave your legs, wear your funny glasses. <laughs> oh my God. No, I need a new thing. So that's another thing I, I need to learn. I need to get a little foot rest because I'm just yeah. too old to be bending all the way down to shave my legs or better yet. I'm going to research some laser, laser hair removal. There but you anyway, go. <laughs> the Epley maneuver. I'm going to put the new 21st century version of it <laughs> uh, because if anybody else was scared away a decade ago by like having your head thrashed around there is a gentler friendlier version now available all right yes oh i feel like i learned a lot i know it's a science Me lesson too. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh my gosh well i'm so excited to know you and i'm super yes. super excited that we get to follow you for the what is it, the dream boarding or no vision, vision boarding, boarding. Dream board. Ooh, I'm taking it to a next level. Yeah. <laughs> Vision boarding in a couple of weeks. And yeah, I yeah, hope, hope a bunch of listeners will follow too. And we'll have links to that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh. Yeah, thank you. It's been so fun. Oh, this well, has you been have, fun. Have a nice rest of your night over there in yes. Spain. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>